Hello, everyone, and welcome to the April 21st edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Fols with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal held that filing a workers' compensation case against an employer can toll the statute of limitations in a civil action against the same employer. Here's what happened in the published case of Hopkins versus Kedzierski. In May 2008, Linda Hopkins fell from an outdoor balcony at the offices of her employer, Perfect Smile Dental Ceramics. Jurek Kedzierski and Margo Kedzierski own the Perfect Smile Corporation and also own the office building in which Perfect Smile is located. In 2009, Hopkins filed a claim with the WCAB. Then, in September 2010, she brought a negligence premises liability claim against the Kedzierskis for the May 2008 injury, which was more than two years after it occurred. Hopkins alleged that the two-year statute of limitations on these claims had been equitably told while she pursued her workers' compensation claim. Hopkins also alleged that the employer was equitably stopped from asserting a statute of limitations defense based upon settlement negotiations that had taken place. The trial court determined that neither doctrine applied and entered a judgment in favor of the employer and Hopkins appealed. The Court of Appeal, in the published opinion, remanded the case for further factual findings about the elements of equitable tolling of the statutes of limitations. In doing so, the appeals court clarified the law on this topic. Equitable tolling of statutes of limitations is a judicially created non-statutory doctrine. It is designed to prevent unjust and technical forfeitures of the right to a trial on the merits when the purpose of the statute of limitations, timely notice of the defendant of the plaintiff's claim, has been satisfied. Where applicable, the doctrine will suspend or extend a statute of limitations as necessary to ensure fundamental practicality and fairness. The Supreme Court held in the landmark case of Elkins v. Derby that the doctrine of equitable tolling may apply to toll the statute of limitations on a claim during the period in which a plaintiff pursues another remedy for the harm that the plaintiff suffered. The running of the limitations period is told when an injured person has several legal remedies and reasonably and in good faith pursues just one. A party must establish three elements to make use of the Elkins Doctrine, timely notice and lack of prejudice to the defendant and reasonable and good faith conduct on the part of the plaintiff. The timely notice requirement essentially means that the first claim must have been filed within the statutory period and must alert the defendant in the second claim of the need to begin investigating the facts which form the basis for the second claim. The trial court seems to have added a fourth element by ruling that Hopkins was required to have been unsuccessful in seeking workers' compensation benefits before the Elkins Doctrine applied. While it is true that the plaintiff in the Elkins case was unsuccessful in his attempt to obtain workers' compensation benefits, there is nothing in the opinion that suggests that this, in fact, was necessary. Thus, the matter was remanded with directions for the trial court to determine whether Hopkins has demonstrated the three required elements of equitable tolling. 
And in regulatory news, the DWC has posted a proposed guideline for the use of opioids to treat work-related injuries to its online forum. Currently, the Medical Treatment Utilization Schedule addresses the use of opioids in the Chronic Pain Medical Treatment Guidelines. The DWC intends to remove the existing part of the MTUS that refer to opioid use and instead revise the MTUS to include this proposed new guideline. The proposed opioid guideline was developed in cooperation with the Multidisciplinary Medical Evidence Evaluation Advisory Committee. The recommendations are derived from the best available evidence-based guidelines and scientific studies. The proposed guideline provides a set of best practices for considering opioids in the management of acute, subacute, postoperative, and chronic pain-related injuries. Recommendations include when it is appropriate to consider adding opioids to the treatment regimen, medications to avoid when using opioids, methods and tools to monitor patients on opioids, the need to educate patients about, about the adverse effects of the drugs, and responsible storage and disposal. In addition, useful tools and resources for patient management are provided. The guideline is comprehensive and well over 100 pages in length. The forum can be found online at the DWC Forum's web page. State regulators slammed the Bay Area Rapid Transit for serious and willful safety violations related to the deaths of two workers hit by a train last October in Walnut Creek. The transit agency was fined $210,000. Cal OSHA determined that the victims, 58-year-old Christopher Shepard of Hayward and 66-year-old Lawrence Daniels of Fair Oaks, were not qualified to perform work near energized third rails. One was carrying an aluminum level highly conductive to third rail electricity and a safety violation. Investigators also found that the transportation manager training another employee to drive the train that struck the two men was seated in a passenger car where he could not view the track ahead as required. The third violation involved the controversial simple approval protocol, which put the onus for trackside worker safety on those individuals. State regulators said that that protocol was inadequate to prevent accidents like this one, and it was not followed. The two men had been inspecting a dip in the tracks during a BART strike when trains were running only for maintenance and training purposes. Both men were facing away from the train when it hit them at about 70 miles per hour. <clears throat> Regulations require one of them to stand away from the track and watch for oncoming trains. Kalosha said BART failed to ensure that only qualified electrical workers were allowed to perform work near energized third rails. Kalosha had pushed for abandonment of BART's simple approval protocol since previous worker fatalities in 2001 and 2008, and BART is still appealing a fine levied after the 2008 death of a BART worker hit by a train in Concord. The transit agency is scheduled to appear in Alameda County Superior Court this June to continue that appeal. BART is still awaiting a final report and recommendations from the National Transportation Safety Board, which could lead to further changes. 
Bart officials say it has fundamentally upgraded its safety procedures with the implementation of an enhanced wayside safety program and a proposed budget investment of over $5 million. Union representatives blasted the transportation agency for training operators in an unsafe manner and placing workers at risk. BART has time to appeal the fine, but has not indicated yet how it will proceed. Cal OSHA also fined a La Mesa real estate firm nearly $92,000 following a workplace tree trimming accident that killed an employee last year. 42-year-old Joshua Allen Pudzi was in the bucket of a boom lift when he was struck by a 25-foot branch that fell from a 60-foot-tall eucalyptus tree at a home in La Mesa. The property was owned by Three Frogs Incorporated, a company which buys, renovates, and resells residential property. Pudzi was a general construction laborer who had been working for the company for three months before the accident and he did not have the training or experience needed to safely trim a tree of that size. State law requires employers to hire qualified tree workers to direct all work on trees taller than 15 feet. Pudzi and other workers on the job were not trained to use the 80-foot aerial lift, nor were they provided with eye protection or harnesses to protect them from falls. Altogether, Cal OSHA issued 13 citations against three frogs, including eight serious citations. The State Division of Labor Standards Enforcement ordered the company to stop work after the State Labor Commissioner found the company failed to provide workers' compensation coverage for its employees. The stop order will remain in place until three frogs demonstrates that a workers' comp policy is in effect. The investigation into the labor practices is ongoing, and regulators also have an ongoing criminal investigation. And now our fraud report. The head of a private security firm, once charged with monitoring Old Town Salinas, was sentenced to five years probation and 120 days in jail. Anthony Vincent Perez was arrested in April 2013 on nine charges related to business insurance and tax fraud and evasion. In February, he pleaded no contest to two felonies and a misdemeanor in the case. Local prosecutors said they were tipped off that Perez was paying his employees in cash and operating without workers' compensation insurance. Perez had not registered with nor reported employee wages to the EDD since 2006 when he went into business. Perez also misclassified his guards as independent contractors rather than employees as required by the Bureau of Security and Investigative Services and provisions regulating private patrol operators. Perez was placed on five years felony probation. He was also ordered to serve 120 days in the Monterey County Jail and to complete 200 hours of community service and pay $18,000 in fines. Restitution will be determined after a May hearing. A North Hollywood woman who pleaded guilty in January to health care fraud was sentenced to six years in federal prison and ordered to pay nearly $10 million restitution. 46-year-old Susanna 
Art Suruni had submitted nearly $25 million in bogus bills to Medicare through her company, Mid-Valley Medical Supply in Van Nuys. Art Sruni admitted to billing Medicare for services and supplies that were medically unnecessary and sometimes never even provided. The scheme involved physicians' assistants and three Los Angeles medical clinics who signed prescriptions and orders for unnecessary tests, services, and equipment. She also admitted to writing checks of more than $35,000 to launder firms' funds related to her welfare fraud. At the time, Art Sruni was free on bond in another healthcare fraud case whose terms ordered her not to work in any medical facility. A second defendant in the case, Erasmus Cody, a physician's assistant, has pleaded guilty and is scheduled to be sentenced on September 8th. Charges have been filed against three others allegedly associated with the money laundering scheme who have pleaded not guilty. A trial is expected early next year. 53-year-old Wayne Liu of Torrance is in custody on charges of alleged workers' compensation fraud associated with an injury received during his employment with the U.S. Postal Service. The California Department of Insurance Detectives and United States Postal Service Office of Inspector General Special Agents conducted a joint investigation and learned that Liu was working despite his claims of a shoulder injury. Surveillance and undercover operations proved that Liu was working as a massage therapist and failed to report his employment or the improvement of his condition to the United States Department of Labor, the entity that handles workers' compensation for the U.S. Postal Service. Wayne Liu is charged with one felony count of insurance fraud, and the case will be prosecuted by the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. A Salinas trucking company owner was ordered to spend 300 days in jail and pay more than $60,000 in fines for falsifying the number of his employees and the scope of their work. 33-year-old Ricardo Casillas was sentenced for charges of insurance fraud, workers' compensation fraud, and payroll tax evasion. Casillas owns Desert Express Transportation Lines and Casillas Transportation Services. Casillas was also placed on probation for 10 years and ordered to pay about $350,000 in restitution to the State Employment Development Department. An insurance carrier is seeking another $108,000 in unpaid insurance premiums. That is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks again for joining us, and please stop by again next week for more news.